Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Obviously, we just celebrated Thanksgiving, but how many, if you're uh, brave enough to, to share with everyone around you, how many have already decorated for Christmas? How many of you were decorated before Thursday, before Thanksgiving? How many of you were decorated before Halloween? (laughs) There's somebody in here not brave enough to admit that they decorated in September. But why do we love decorating for Christmas so much? And I feel like it's just getting more and more of a a, a joy, an obsession, a love that we have to to decorate for Christmas, to see Christmas decorations, uh, to be able to drive around and see people's houses lit up. Why is it that we love this, this opportunity that we have every year to be able to decorate? I believe there's, there's multiple reasons for it. I, I, I think part of it's just as a society we're in this, we're caught up in this mode of just trying to keep up, trying to, trying to one-up, trying to, trying to be, be better than or, or to, to keep up with, with social media trends, whatever it may be, and we see that other people are decorating, so we have to decorate too. But maybe, maybe we're, we're so caught up in this, this joy of decorating for Christmas because our souls long for something that brings us happiness. If it makes you happy to decorate for Christmas in September, then go for it. Because our souls are longing for something, for, for something to, be, to, to hold on to, for something that, that brings us joy, for something that brings us hope. Our souls long for something that brings the ordinary into extraordinary. I think we love decorating for Christmas because it reminds us that there is something for which we can hope for still. Despite the weariness of our lives, despite the the things and and the ways in which we're we're forced to live in this world, we have the opportunity to find joy in the midst of Christmas decorations, in the midst of lights, in the midst of a a tree, in the midst of all of the things that come along with this season. And so I believe that there's, a, there's a, a need within our souls to just hold on to this season for a little while longer. Another question, how many of you the day after Christmas decorations are put away in the boxes done? Anyone here? Yeah, I, I mean, for, for us at our house, uh, we just, um, it's, it's really sometimes like, I think the first year Kelsey and I were married, it was February and our tree was still up. And that was purely just, um, we just didn't want to do it. We didn't want to take care of it. We didn't want to put it away. But there was something within us that we needed to hold on to that season, that, that, that decorations, those decorations, that joy that it brings. Because we long for it. We long for hope. We long for the message that Christmas brings to us in our weary worlds. This wearied, hopeful posture is honestly the same weary, hopeful posture that, that Kelsey and I both have felt as, as foster parents. I've shared before that, that, we, that we do foster care, and we've, we've had several kids come through our, our care and our home, and we've been the parents of, of, of several children. 
some who have gone, and then two who, who will stay. Uh, but, but the same weary, hopeful posture that, that I always feel at Christmas time in the Advent season is the same thing I, I feel as a foster parent. As we take the classes and we, we, we filled out all the paperwork and we prepared our home and, and got it all ready, transformed from a, a home where, where just two adults who are married live into a home that would welcome children into. Uh, there's a big difference. If you have children, you know what I'm talking about. Everything has to be baby-proofed and locked, and they're going to get into it anyway, for, but for some reason, we just we feel the, the, the goodness of having a lock on that that they'll be able to uh, pick off anyway. Um, kids are extraordinary. But we, we have this, uh, this opportunity that we prepare ourselves for these children. But yet the reality is, as we prepare, as we take, took the classes, as we transformed our home, as we filled out the paperwork and had all the interviews, and we, we waited for a call, we felt an excitement, an, an unforgettable sense of anticipation, but also a sense of guilt. Because that call would mean that a family was being disrupted. That call would mean that a child's life would forever be changed and, and traumatized. But the same reality with, with, with foster care is the same reality we have in this Advent season. It's that, that the call is only the beginning. Accepting the placement of a foster child is only the beginning of the work. That's really the exciting part because a new child's coming and we, we get to, to discover someone new and we get to find ways to, to make them comfortable and feel at home and welcomed and find all of their favorite things to do and, and give them their favorite foods to eat and just make, make them feel a sense of love, a sense of hope. But yet this tragedy exists in their lives regardless. And we have this same sense in the season of Advent that we have this thing to celebrate, that Jesus came in a manger, that he was born, that God stepped down from heaven into earth, into our, our broken, weary world, and he brought hope and joy and peace and love, but yet tragedy still exists in our world. Weariness, brokenness, lost hopes and dreams still cloud our souls and our minds. The real work starts after the call. The real work for us as the people of God began once Jesus came. Christ the Messiah has come, but the work and the waiting for us have only yet begun. And so I want to turn to Luke chapter 2, verses 18 to 14. Luke chapter 2, verses 18 to 14. It'll be on the screen if, if you have a Bible or device to turn to. If not, it'll, it'll be on the screen for you to follow along with. And I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, 8 to 14. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over the flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude to the heavenly, of the heavenly host, 
with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. You see, Advent is a season and an opportunity uh, for us to position and posture ourselves toward longing for God, awaiting the Messiah, living in this already but not yet kingdom. In other words, we we live in the kingdom that that Jesus the Messiah has already come. We we already have the grace and the mercy available to us because he already was born in the stable. He already died on the cross. He already rose again from the dead, giving us the opportunity of life. He already was born that we may have life. But we also live in the not yet that Jesus is coming again. That we're waiting, that we're expecting the Messiah still. He's been here, but he's, he's not yet come back, and we are in hopeful anticipation, possibly growing more weary every day, longing for the Messiah to return, longing to make all things new, longing to, to have our hope revealed in him and his return. Advent is also a season of praise and rejoicing. We praise God and rejoice in Him despite our waiting, despite our longing, despite our suffering. Advent is a season of hope. As Ben already shared with us in the candle lighting, we have this hope. Because Jesus has already come and Jesus is coming back and Jesus is here among us. And it is because of the hope of the promised Messiah that Advent calls us to cling to, that we can rejoice even in the midst of our weary world. Do you ever have one of those days where you think, certainly Jesus is coming back today? That was me yesterday with our five-year-old. Certainly, Lord. I cannot sustain this any longer. Certainly, this is your sign. Uh, You said to be watchful. Here's the sign. This is what you've shown me. Certainly, today's the day you're coming back. And I waited, and I woke up, and he said, you're preaching today. So I don't know what that that tells me about my prayer life. But we long for this Messiah to return because we have brokenness. We have things that unsettle our souls. We have situations and circumstances and people in our lives that that just irritate us, that make us weary, that make us discouraged, that make us stressed. And I think, I I believe that this whole purpose of of us as the church uh, taking this time out to, to experience the rhythm of Advent each and every single year is to remind us that we're meant to live in that weariness, that we're meant to live in that discouragement because this world is not our home. We're meant to be longing for something better than this. Certainly, this can't be it. Certainly, this can't be the best that God had to offer. And we find the promise in the Advent and Christmas event that there is more, that God has something greater for us. We praise God and rejoice Him despite our waiting, despite our longing, because Advent is a season of hope. And it's because of the hope of the promised Messiah that Advent calls us to cling to 
Jesus, to cling to hope that there is something, someone greater coming. The angels praised God as they gave the good news to the shepherds that a Savior had been born in Bethlehem. The shepherds praised God after they, they met Joseph and Mary and they saw Jesus. And if you go on in this passage, it says that the shepherds went and told everyone that they had, what they had seen. They were just so filled with, with praise to God that the Messiah had been born that they went and told the good news. And church, we are called to join in their praise still today as we recall this glorious event when God sent his son to redeem the world. All these years later, we get the opportunity to praise God for that glorious night, just as the shepherds, just as the angel. We get the ability and the, the opportunity and the call to sing his praise, even in the midst of our suffering and longing and waiting. But even more weary than our world may feel today, the world at the time of Jesus' birth was extremely weary. It had been 400 years since the people of God had heard from him, and they had become so overcome with hopelessness and, and wondering if he had forgotten about them. Wondering if he had just left them to their own accord, if he had just reserved himself for, for heaven and, and just left the people on earth to just uh, to take care of themselves. But on that glorious night, all of heaven and earth rejoiced as God stepped down from heaven and into the dark and dreary world. In the midst of our feelings of loss and weariness today, we can draw out hope from the story in Luke that we just read together. First and foremost, we see that the angel's praise was magnificent. And I apologize, these, these points aren't on the screen, uh, but if you want to, to write them down, you're, you're more, more than welcome to. But, but first and foremost, we see this magnificent praise come from the angels. In earlier days, God had spoken through prophets. That's where a lot of our Old Testament and our Bibles come from, are, are the prophets, the, the ordinary people in which God spoke directly through his message to the world. But as Jesus, the expected one, the, the Messiah, the one who the world had been longing for as he arrives on earth, God was not content with making such an announcement through another ordinary person. He sent the heavenly hosts to sing and proclaim such glorious news. The angels' praise was magnificent not because of their own glory or their own splendor or their own beauty but because of the glorious beauty of God and his amazing plan to redeem the world that they were proclaiming. John 1, 14 to 18, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, this was the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus. No one has ever seen God. The one and only Son who is himself God is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. 
And so, yes, God used ordinary people through the prophets to, to communicate his, his law and his expectations of his people. But as he broke his 400-year silence, he used the heavenly hosts, the angels, to proclaim this magnificent announcement that the one who reveals me is here for you, that he is coming to this earth and he's been born so that you may have life. The angel's praise was magnificent because they are announcing to the weary world that God has not forgotten them. Verse 14, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. Who else could sing about anything in the highest heavens than the angels themselves who had been there already? They've seen it. They, they've, they've seen the glory of the Lord. They've, they've been around the throne. They've been worshiping around the Father's throne. And they're here on earth to announce that Jesus has come. That your prayers have been answered. That your weary heart has been heard by the Father. Second, the angel's praise was magnetic. Isaiah 52, 7, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the herald who proclaims peace, who brings good news of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The weary world of this day clung to words such as these from the prophets who promised that God would not leave them nor forsake them. They had these words memorized because they were so hopeful that God was going to speak yet again, that God was going to give them the opportunity yet again for redemption. And so they cling to these words, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the herald who proclaims peace, who brings news of good things, who proclaims salvation because this is the only hope they had that a Messiah, a Savior would come, would give them the opportunity to be redeemed. They awaited the good news and they longed for the hope of God to come upon them yet again. And the angel's praise of peace on earth was magnetic because it was what the weary world had longed for. Peace with God yet again. Peace among ourselves yet again. And church, I think we're, we're so able to, to be attached to this story of Advent because it's what our hearts long for too. Peace. Hope. Joy. Love. That there is something good to cling on to. That regardless of what our life circumstances may hold, that we have the ability to hold on to the Savior, to hold on to the promise that He has come, that He is with us, and that He is coming yet again to redeem us from it all. Luke 2, 10 to 11, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. And the reality is, is whether we, we want to believe it or not, every single one of us is drawn to finding peace on earth. That's why we see all of the longing pursuits, the, the social media trends, the, the keeping up with things that we do. It's because we're longing for peace. 
We're longing to reconcile and redeem something within ourselves that would give us hope and joy and happiness yet again. We cling to it. And here the angels are saying, I proclaim to you good news of great joy for all people. And then if we fast forward in, in the gospel of John 14, 27, Jesus himself is saying, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus is saying my whole life here is to give you peace to give you what your heart longs for. And you're not going to find it in this world. This peace that I give you is not going to be found, not going to be able to be held by the things of this world, the, the tangible means in which you're going to be striving for through your career pursuits, through your relationships, through, through the things in which you do in this life. Those are not going to provide you peace because I leave it and give it for you. But Jesus, if you came to bring peace to the world thousands of years ago, where is it? Amen? Does anybody have a five-year-old? Where is it, Jesus? Where's the peace that you gave, that you left? I'm, I'm here and I, I, I accepted you and I, I, I long for you and I live after you. So where is this peace? But we find in this announcement that the angel's praise was memorable. Certainly it was memorable. We're still talking about it today, right? It was magnificent. It was magnetic. But most importantly, it was memorable. The praise and the glory that the angels sang to the shepherds that night wasn't just meant for those people right there in the field, those shepherds tending to their flock. It was meant for all of us. It was meant for all to remember and for all to find hope and peace in. It was meant for us on this day of November 27th, 2022 at Christ Community Wesleyan Church sitting in the nine o'clock service on a Sunday morning. It was meant for us to cling on to. Despite what we're going through, despite the weary things that burden us, despite the things in which are just running through our minds as we're sitting here, the things that we have left to do as we enter a new week, the, the, the job situations that we're walking into tomorrow, the, struggled, the struggles that we have with our, our families and the tense relationships that we may hold, we have the opportunity to hear this good news and to remember that there is hope available to us through the Savior who was born. We find ourselves remembering their proclamation still today as we cling to God's continued promises. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. The hope and peace that the angels sang over the shepherds is available to those whom God favors. But wait. What if I'm not one who God favors? What if that's why I have this five-year-old? I really do love my five-year-old. I'm just, you had to be there yesterday. Um, <laughs> but what if I'm not one that he favors? Why, what if that's why I'm going through all of this? What if that's why I have these struggles in life? What if that's why, what if that's why I can't find my stride in this, in this life? What if that's why I'm just constantly trying to find something 
putting up my Christmas decorations in August, just hoping that it might make me happy this year. What if I'm not one whom he favors? John 3, 16 to 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Hear these words. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear of their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives in the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly and that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. For God so loved the world that whoever believed in him shall not perish. Whoever puts their hope and their trust in him would be favored. That this good news would be for them. That this good news would be for you, despite the circumstances that clouds your vision of it. God favors those who believe in him. Those who call upon the name of Jesus, God favors those who walk in the light and, and do their best to avoid sin, to do their best to, to be in the light and to reject the darkness, even though sometimes it feels so good to sit in the dark, to be in the light, the light of his grace, the light of his mercy, the light of his hope. God's peace in this life is only made available to those who lay aside everything else this world has to offer and to seek fully with full pursuit in this life to find their hope only in Christ. To know that their peace will only rest on the other side of eternity. That in this life, life abundance is only available when we live in the light of Christ. Friends, the Advent season gives us the opportunity yet again to remember, to rehearse, to reflect the good news of great joy and the message of peace, the message of hope, the message of joy, the message of love that Jesus has already brought to this world and the hope and the joy and the peace and the love that he's promised to bring yet again. And the hope that the best is yet to come to those who place their trust only in Jesus. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless. God bless.